0: At the conclusion of today's gospel, our blessed Lord asks the disciples a question, do you understand all of these things? And they answer, of course, yes. To which I say, shenanigans. That's madness. They don't understand exactly what's happening. None of us do, really. And yet the question is often put to us as regards things in the life of the faith. In my own day of ordination, the bishop several times asked me, are you resolved? Are you resolved? Are you resolved? And I said, yes, I am, I am, I am. And then the last one is, I am with the help of God. Right? On our day of baptism, parents are asked, at the end of uh, the, the brief introduction about the rite and the importance of living the faith and passing the faith on and the great responsibilities that are required in all of these things, the parents are asked, do you understand what you're undertaking? And the parents say, yes. For those in the marriage rites, the marriage rites ask the various questions as well. And for you to be able to intend, uh, to be able to be there until death do us part, right? For, you know, in sickness and in health and death, you know, and all the richer for poor, and all the conditions that are said without any idea of exactly what that will look like. And yet in baptism in ordination, in marriage, and for the apostles. The Lord asks us a question, do you understand? Are you willing to commit? And we say, yes. And there is uncertainty about all that will follow. But it's for us to place our trust in the good Lord, and that's why we are able to say yes to begin with. It's why we're able to, to say anything at all as regards our, our confidence in fulfilling our obligations that we have made, our vows that we have made before the good Lord. It's Him. It's His strength who wants to come to be with us, to strengthen us, and to encourage us. Because the reality is that whenever we sign up for something with an uncertainty about what what exactly it will look like, there will be difficulties that will challenge our yes. There will be times where we are brought to perhaps question our yes and to think if we ought rather instead to turn back and say no instead. Certainly, we see this in, in our culture today, how often marriages are, are simply dissolved uh, with, you know, whenever, the, whenever things get tough, or whenever one simply no longer wants to be in the thing. It's not a reality of, of having resolve, but rather it's simply kind of turning a yes into a no. Also, many priests leaving the priesthood these days A similar thing, a solemn yes that they say, that they turn later to a no. And this is the the fact of things is that all of us, whenever we say yes to the Lord, we will be put to the test in that regard. Our yes will be challenged. But this is a good thing, because it's only whenever we are challenged that virtue begins to grow. If our yes is an easy yes, there's not much merit in it. Because We get something out of the deal. It's easy for us. It's a simple or a natural thing. It's whenever the yes begins to be challenged. It's whenever we begin to be pressed in ways that we had not anticipated, pushed in ways that we had not desired, that we thought would never come to be. It's in those places that we are truly put to the test, and then virtue shows itself. Fidelity is proven. The grace of God is manifest. Manifest. And all of this is for the good. We also recognize that in the midst of those things, it can challenge us not simply in in our yes to that particular thing, and whatever particular yes it might have been, but also it may challenge even our belief in the good Lord himself, or at least in the goodness of God. Whenever the cross begins to weigh heavy upon us in this Christian life, as we walk in this valley of tears and experience the sorrows of the earthly life, the sorrows of living the life of faith rather than the the simple passing joys, the the passing happinesses of moments that the world may offer us, when we come to experience and taste of the cross, it's then that we can be challenged even to understand how God himself is at work. The devil loves to use opportunities of difficulty and sufferings to be able to, to bring and whisper thoughts into our mind of maybe God's not as loving as we were told He was. Maybe He's not as merciful as we were told He was. Maybe He's not as kind and, lo- and, 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 and quick to show compassion. Maybe the Lord's left me. Maybe I've done something, I don't know what, but He no longer cares about me, He cares about everyone else. But, but, but because of the suffering, it seems, it seems like the Lord's not responding whenever I pray and ask Him about it. I only get silence. Whenever we experience all of these things, they are moments where the evil one and our own mind can easily begin to be tested in, in the sense of even whether we believe and trust in the Lord, whether we're willing to submit ourselves to His goodness. But it's for us to remember in those times the passage that we heard also today in our second reading. How St. Paul writing to this community who in the midst of, of the, the realities of the world, the sufferings of the world, he writes to them with a simple encouragement— All things work for the good of those who love God. All things work for the good of those who love God. It's the fact that whenever we come to serve the Lord, that we do have things in mind that we might anticipate. But there are things also that are not what we anticipate. And God's grace is given to us in those times to bear them and to bear them well. But also it's for us to recognize that sometimes we may begin to think that the Lord God is, again, not a good God, not a loving God, not a just God, because He allows the things to happen in the first place. Who among us haven't had to wrestle with some suffering of, of a small child or someone who, who you know, the, the, the good who suffer while the bad seem to prosper, these kinds of things, the difficulties of life, and trying to make sense of how is it a good God allows these things? And it's the fact that, again, the Lord brings good. The Lord, all things work for good for those who love God because the Lord is seeking to do good for those who love him in all things. And this is a difficulty for us, at least in the moment, to be able to grasp and to accept these things, to surrender ourselves to things. It's us for us also to remember and to consider the will of God itself. And here we have uh, a, bit of, a bit of theology and uh, reflection that can be helpful for us. We recognize that, that God has uh, one will, but for us to, to be able to understand it, it helps us to, to kind of to, to speak of it in, from two different directions, the antecedent will and the consequent will is the theological term specifically. The antecedent will of God is is God's plan for things. The Lord has a script for us that He would like us to follow. The Lord has a a way that if we were willing to follow 100% faithfully in all things, like our blessed mother, it would be able to work out perfectly along the way. This is what God intends for us, what God wills for us on a natural and and kind of uh, beginning level. But the fact is that All of us know that we don't follow the will of God perfectly at all times. We call it sin, or at least, you know, at least some kind of uh, falling short of things, even if it's not exactly the will of God, perhaps choosing a lesser good. And here the Lord responds to us. This is a, a fact that we see, you know, certainly in, in, in actors. You know, actors will have a script and, and certainly in, in some of the uh, kind of more the, the comedy type settings, um, the, the, the live, live comedy specifically, you know, they'll, they'll have a, a script that they're trying to stick to and sometimes something will happen and somebody goes off script, right? And then the other person just has to keep responding until they can get back on track. You kind keep, of keep playing with it, you keep going with it. And then you eventually wind up back where you need to be and and continue on. And this is really what our Lord does with us. His his consequent will is His his responding to us that whenever we don't follow His will precisely, He says, okay, that's not what I intended, but I'm going to work with you here. And He keeps going back and forth with us until we get back on track where He desires us to be. This is the Lord who, in His goodness is patient with us. Rather than, in the midst of these things, being opportunities where the devil wants to come and to to show us that God is not good, that God is not kind or patient or loving with us, that God is rather just kind of harsh, cold, or indifferent, the fact that He is willing to respond to us not following His will perfectly is proof of His goodness, proof of His patience with us, proof of His kindness its generosity, because it would be entirely understandable if he said, you know, I gave you the plan and you didn't follow it. Sorry, tough luck. Justice could be there. It would be understandable to some degree, but this is not what the heart of God does. He accepts us in our weakness and he begins to to work things out in a way that we might not otherwise anticipate. And so whenever the cross comes in the course of our earthly life, it's for us to remember the goodness of the Lord and that in the midst of all of these things, he will bring good from it. All things work for the good for those who love God. In every single moment, God is working for our good, actively pursuing us in the best way possible, seeking that which will bring us to ultimately to eternal life whether we're exactly on script or far off, wandering somewhere way off in the ditch, the Lord God is, wa- is working with us. He is seeking to bring good in the midst of whatever it might be. And sometimes those things are just unfortunate incidences of the world, not even that we have done something wrong, but the cross may seem to press heavy upon us. And even then, it is for us to remember that the Lord God allows these things for some reason. He likely does not intend them, He does not intend suffering for us. He does not want suffering for us from the first. But rather, He sometimes allows these things, knowing that in the end, He will bring even greater good from it. The best case for this is simply to look at the cross, the place where it would be unthinkable that if there was one thing, at least in my mind, if there was one thing by which no good could come, it would be the fact of the human race killing God who came down to be with them. It seemed like that would be like, well, you know, that's a line that you can't, you can't cross and have anything good come from it. And yet, it is the death of Jesus Christ, the God-man who came down among us, took on our flesh. It's his death on the cross that won for us salvation. If God can do that with the death of his son, what is it that he can do with the sufferings that we experience in his life too? Always there is some good at work. It is for us simply to be able to place our trust in the Lord, to place our hope in the Lord, that indeed the yes that we have uttered to him in various ways all throughout our life and frequently at Holy Mass, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The yes that we offer is a fruitful yes. It is for us to trust in the Lord in the midst of these things, Not to be discouraged by the world, not to be discouraged by the church, not to be discouraged by ourselves, by our sins, by our weakness, or that of others, but to know that in all of these things, because of the goodness of the Lord, he is working to bring good for those who love him.